of the PCA One-on-One Positive Coaching Alliance's podcast series where we talk with leading experts about how to develop better athletes, better people through sports. And now here's your host, Tina Sire, PCA Chief Impact Officer. Rachel, I want to start off by introducing you to our Positive Coaching Alliance audience. Rachel Bueller grew up in Southern California, eventually attending Torrey Pines High School in San Diego, where she was twice named a Parade All-American for her performance on the soccer field. She got her first experience representing the USA by playing on the U16 national team and steadily climbed the ranks, getting her first cap with the senior women's team in 2008. Rachel played her college soccer at Stanford University, where she was a three-time team captain. She redshirted her sophomore year to spend the fall of 2004 with the U.S. Under-19 national team. After her senior season at Stanford in 2007, the NCAA honored Rachel with the Top 8 Award, which recognizes success on the field, in the classroom, and in the community. Rachel went on to play in the 2008 Olympics in Beijing, where the U.S. brought home the gold after defeating Brazil in overtime in the final. 2010 was a big year for Rachel. She was named co-captain of the national team and led the team in minutes played. In 2011, Rachel anchored the national team's defense in the FIFA Women's World Cup in Germany. Japan ended up defeating the U.S. in the final in a penalty shootout. Most recently, Rachel started all six games for the U.S. in the 2012 Olympics in London, where the team defeated Japan 2-1 to bring home the gold medal. During her professional career, Rachel has played for the FC Gold Pride, the Boston Breakers, and the Atlanta Beat of women's professional soccer. And she now plays for the Portland Thorns of the National Women's Soccer League. Last but not least, Rachel serves on PCA's National Advisory Board. Rachel, thanks so much for joining the Positive Coaching Alliance audience and me today. Of course. I'm really you know, happy to be here. So, so I'm, I've read that your dad was a two-sport athlete at Stanford, and I was curious, when you were growing up, how much were you aware of his athletic background, and did that play a role for you in wanting to play soccer and sports at the highest level? Um, yes. My dad, uh, he did water polo and wrestling at Stanford, and I definitely was aware of that as a kid. Um, you know, he definitely talked about his Stanford days academically and athletically, and that for sure had an influence on me. Um, but I think for me, for soccer, it was just always something that I really enjoyed growing up. And as I, you know, grew up and became better and better at it, it kind of became more clear that I could have the potential to play in college. And I think that was a bit more of an organic experience. Um, I think, you know, my dad's college athletics had an influence. But uh, for me, it was just I love soccer so much. And I really, you know, started excelling at it. And it was just something that I wanted to do kind of also just uh, on my own right, you know. Yeah, and did you always know it was going to be soccer, or when you were, you know, a younger athlete, did you play other sports? Uh, when I was a kid, I definitely played all kinds of sports. I grew up in a neighborhood of, you know, mostly boys, and we just played everything in the backyard, football, uh, a lot of soccer, definitely, you know, just all the different uh, games kids come up with, so a lot of athletic activities, and then as I got a little bit older, I started you know, doing different organized sports, everything from dance and horseback riding to tennis and softball and soccer. Uh, but as I got older, you know, soccer just was the one that I always loved the most and was probably the best at. And so, you know, kind of just narrowed down as I got into high school and, and eventually, you know, mid-high school, that soccer was my, you know, main sport that I was actually focusing on. So one question we get a lot from parents and athletes is, 
when is it time for my kid to specialize and when should we sort of cut down on the other things and, you know, the softball and the dance and the tennis and just specialize on a specific sport. And I'm curious if you have any advice, you know, from your experience or just as you reflect back, like what would you tell a parent if they were asking you that about when is, it, when is the right time to specialize? I think a lot of that depends, you know, on your child and, and how they're excelling in that sport and what the demands, you know, are on them. You definitely want your kid. I, I really enjoyed um, being able to experience so many different sports, and I think it benefited me in a lot of ways. It's helped general athleticism and, and allowed me to figure out what I really liked the best, you know. So I think uh, you know, specializing too early can almost put too much pressure on your kid and kind of deny them of different opportunities that maybe they would like to have. Um, but I, I think a lot of it depends on your child and how focused maybe they are in that sport. You know, if they just know that they love soccer, then maybe that's okay that they kind of focus on that at an earlier age. But uh, for me, I really enjoyed the experience of trying a lot of different things and kind of finding my niche as I got a little bit older. I'd say I started uh, to personally kind of narrow down going into junior high. I started, I was pretty much playing soccer and volleyball and doing cross-country running. And then in high school um, is when I really started focusing solely on soccer. I think I, I did cross-country also my freshman year of high school. And then at that point, kind of, it was just soccer for me. And it kind of happened because I just didn't have enough time to do any other sports as well. Um, so mm -hmm. that was kind of a natural process. Yeah. So, so I find that it's hard to imagine you as anything other than a defender on the soccer field, but I'm curious if there was a time when you played somewhere else on the field and, um, you know, what advice would you have to players about sort of keeping an open mind about where they are on the field and what skills they should be learning within the sport? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think uh, growing up, I honestly played everywhere on the field uh, through most of my club career, actually, you know, even through high school, I was a forward. Um, and, you know, I did shooting practice every Wednesday and, um, you know, was really into perfecting those forward skills, actually. And I think um, it's a great opportunity for you to play all over the field. Um, you just gain different skills and a better general understanding of the game. You know, as a defender now, I have a good understanding of the runs a forward might make or, you know, mm. just uh, kind of better anticipation of what they might want to do off the ball. So I think having a really open mind um, can just, you know, make you a better player and give you a lot of opportunities. Maybe a coach sees you somewhere else. You know, a lot of forwards get converted to defenders or outside backs because they have a good attacking presence and, um, that can be really great, and, and they might have those attacking skills that maybe another defender didn't have because they didn't play forward, you know? So I think mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. having an open mind and kind of embracing uh, those different positions is uh, a good way to, to deal with it, almost seeing it as an opportunity rather as, you know, your coach is making you play somewhere, but just kind of embracing it and enjoying that different opportunity to play somewhere else. Yeah, I, I love that point that, you know, for so long you were a forward, and I think it's true at, at the college level and at the more elite levels, you find so many players were forwards because at the younger ages, that's where they, you know, the, some of the best players gravitated or in softball and baseball at the college level, everybody was a shortstop, um, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's in field hockey, same thing, you know, you, everyone was a forward and now they're a defender. Um, so just remembering you got to learn all the skills, um, not just that one position. So, so I'm curious, you were a part of multiple junior U.S. teams, sort of all the different age groups, and you experienced a lot of success really early in your career. And I'm curious, what do you think were the main things that made that possible um, to reach the highest levels of your sport, you know, at the U16 or um, U17 level? Um, you know, I think from a very young age, I've just naturally been really focused. Um, mm -hmm. So for me, you know, even at 
I don't know, 15, 16, uh, soccer was a big priority for me. So I did a lot of extra training and I, I, you know, kind of put in that extra time uh, to get to that point. I was also really mentally tough, I think, from a young age. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of understood um, the ups and downs of things and was able to deal with maybe not making a team, but then rebounding back from that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't make regional team at one point. I think I was like 14 or something, but then the next year I came back and made it and then made the national team, you know? So I think it was kind of that combination of being pretty focused at a young age and realizing that I did really like soccer and, you know, wanted to do my best in that as well as, um, you know, just being able to deal with the ups and downs that um, sometimes kids struggle with, you know, and sometimes a kid will, uh, if they, you know, have a setback or whatever, it can be really difficult, but I was pretty good at um, bouncing back from those type of things. Now, is that something that you were just born with, or do you feel like did your parents help with that? Because I could imagine, like, specifically when you were 14 and you didn't make the regional team, you know, a lot of parents would feel like, well, you know, we thought we thought she was great, but she didn't make the team. Now it's sort of over. Um, like, did, were they with you with that same mentality, or where did that mentality come from? Well, I think my parents have really um, preached kind of a very positive outlook on just life in general. Um, and kind of an active outlook. So, you know, instead of being like, oh, my gosh, I didn't make the team, it's over, it was kind of like, okay, well, A, making the team isn't the end of the world, and B, what can I do, you know, what can I do to maybe make it next year, you know? So it's kind of taking control and initiative over my own experience and then um, doing my best to kind of, you know, try to improve in the areas I needed to improve on. Um, My parents never put any pressure on me or anything like that. They were very, very just supportive and understanding, um, but definitely helped me have kind of that positive, active um, outlook on life and sports and school and really everything that I have been involved in growing up. Yeah. Um, So I love that because it so ties in to to one of PCA's main themes where we talk about sort of having a short memory and needing to rebound from setbacks or rebound from Mm -hmm. mistakes and sort of the idea of focusing forward. Um, What specific advice can you give coaches and parents, um, maybe even in the moment, you know, in a game um, when their child makes a mistake and misses a tackle or misses an open shot and immediately the eyes like turn from the player to the parent or to the coach, what can the coach and the parents do in that moment to really help players, you know, focus forward as, as you've said your parents did with you? Yeah, I mean, I think, like I was saying before, being positive, you know. I mean, if you miss a shot, you just say you're going to get the next one, that type of thing. I mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes parents have that emotional reaction and they're also upset, as is their child. Um, but if they can kind of control that and, you know, think about what's going to best help their kid be successful next time, um, I think yeah. as a coach, you can maybe give a pointer about how to maybe do something better without it being, you know, a, a negative type of feedback, but instead just be like, okay, next time maybe try to keep the shot down if they shot, you know, the, the ball over the goal or something. Um, mm-hmm. But I think kind of learning moments and just positive uh, reinforcement is a good way to help a kid just bounce back in in the moment. Um, and I think the whole, you know, coaching points um, – I think a good coach can give you that feedback in a in a way that it's like, oh, you know, I, I know you can do this, and next time you just need to make this small little adjustment and it'll work. I think sometimes coaches or parents can, you know, harp on a coaching point and it almost becomes negative. So I think the yeah. way in which that coaching point is delivered is really crucial. Yeah, I really like what you said. Like they still have confidence in you. Like I know you can do this. 
you know, just keep your weight forward or whatever that little thing exactly. is, but that they still yeah. have confidence in you. That's great. Um, yeah. so, so one of the issues that comes up a lot when we're talking to student athletes is that they've had to come back from some pretty serious injuries and it can be, you know, depression is associated with injuries and people feel like they're taken away from their team and, and practice and their teammates and um, I know this is something that you've had to deal with in your own career, you know, with two ACL tears and I think you're a really inspirational story that we could share with those athletes of, you know, Rachel had two ACL tears in a row, you know, 17, 18 years old, and still came back to play at the highest levels of her sport. And I'm curious if you could just tell us a little bit about, about those injuries, but then also what approach you took to rehabbing and how you were able to come back um, so successfully from those injuries. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I have had um, some pretty serious knee injuries. Um, I tore my first ACL, my left one, um, at the uh, first U19 World Cup in Canada, actually. It was the final game there, and it was in, like, the first 15 minutes of the game. And um, I was lunging for a ball and got off balance and um, basically just tore my left ACL. So that was pretty dramatic in the middle of, you know, the final of the Youth World Cup, and I was very devastated from that one. Um, And then, you know, did my rehab about six months later. I had just been cleared for contact soccer, and I was back with my club team and um, in a practice and running along, and there was a divot in the field, and my um, foot kind of got caught in the divot, and I tore my other ACL, my right ACL. So literally, you know, back-to-back, six months in between the two. Um, So I ended up being out for at least a year total um, from those two injuries. Um, and it was definitely pretty difficult to, you know, have one and then the other one, you know, right after it when I thought I was, you know, on the mend and going to be back on the soccer field, and then all of a sudden I was back in the PT clinic instead. (laughs) Yeah, Uh yeah. But I think dealing with those injuries, um, again, I kind of come back to this again, but just being positive and, and doing what I could do, you know, what I had, taking control of what I had control over, you know, I yeah. really focused on my rehab, I was very diligent about that, um, you know, went to PT, and I not only saw my PT, like, one-on-one several times a week, but then I would do um, my own exercises at the clinic for, you know, two hours or whatever, I really had um, a strong work ethic in my rehab, um, mm. as well as great support from my physical therapist, she was incredible, and just kind of um, you know, guided me through the whole process. Um, I think one thing that people get frustrated is they keep looking at the the end, like how far they have to go to get back to being healthy. And mm-hmm. something that helped me in the process was just kind of celebrating my small little victories along the way. You know, there's so yeah. many steps in the physical therapy process. And the first one was, you know, getting my flexion and extension. And when I got a few degrees of, you know, flexion or whatever, I would be really happy about it and try to recognize that, wow, I made progress, you know, instead of being like, oh, my gosh, I'm so far away from playing soccer. I, you know, focused on the small um, successes I was having, and that really helped me kind of stay focused and keep a positive attitude about the whole um, rehab process. Yeah. I love that idea of sort of the small wins and not just, you know, how many more months do I have before I'm back on the field. That's fantastic. Um, so, so one thing that I found is that the best coaches, like when I look back on my own sort of playing and coaching career, 
I feel as if they've coached me more than just to become a better athlete or a better player, but to actually become a better person and have taught me skills that I can now use in, you know, with my family or in my work and bigger life skills. And I'm curious if there are certain coaches, when you think back over the course of your career, you've played for so many, you know, different wonderful coaches. Um, are there any that really stand out to you as really being that sort of double goal coach who made you a better player on the field but also gave you those, those lessons for off of the pitch? Yeah, I mean, I think I think sports in general, you know, in addition to just the coaches, but they they teach you so many life lessons just by putting you kind of in challenging or difficult situations. And um, definitely, you know, I've learned how, you know, just from the injuries and those type of things, learned how to be resilient and come back from adversity and that type of thing. Um, mm. You know, I think Stanford, uh, Paul Ratcliffe, uh, just really preached, um, you know, having a strong work ethic and. Uh, being a good teammate and what it really means to, you know, be part of a team. And um, yeah. I think, you know, Stanford is just an incredible place. And I think probably, you know, most of the athletic programs there are like this, but the coaches really held a high standard of um, kind of behavior and how you treat other people mm. and yeah. uh, just, you know, being a good person above all. And he also really focused on, you know, academics and um, being a well-rounded balance. A student athlete was something that was really important and, and you know, emphasized. Well, you uh, you clearly did that well when the NCAA recognized you with that top eight award. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, so on this to the point, um, I'm I'm really curious about this. You're saying like Paul Ratcliffe focused on helping, like focused on not just making yourself better, but your teammates better and being a good teammate. Um, at Positive Coaching Alliance, we talk about, you know, we encourage athletes to be triple impact competitors where they strive to make, of course, themselves better, but also their teammates better and then the game or the sport as a whole better. So mm-hmm. self better, teammates better, game better. And, and I'm curious for you, when you're, you know, you're concerned about making the roster, you know, and getting a spot, mm-hmm. you know, to be on the national team for the World Cup, how do you balance that with also being, you know, someone who's focused on making your teammates better if this is someone who you're essentially competing with for a roster spot? Yeah, I mean, that is a that is an interesting situation, you know. Um, and I think sometimes it gets hard to, you know, always be the best teammate because you're competitive and all that type of stuff. But I think for me, um, being a teammate is, is first. And I think that I just try to be really um, aware of people around me and try to understand what somebody might need. You know, is that a just a conversation, see how they're doing, um, words of encouragement, because we're all going through the same thing. And ultimately, um, I want the process to be enjoyable for myself and my team and everybody. And I think that um, it's most enjoyable for me when I am being a good teammate and when I'm, you know, mm-hmm. in, in trying to be engaged with the people around me and, and, you know, celebrate our friendships with each other as opposed to worrying about the competition so much all the time. I think if you if you don't do that, then it's not it's not fun. It's not worth it, you know. And I think mm-hmm. for me it, it kind of just go hand in hand is, you know, being a good teammate makes the whole process just uh, more valuable and meaningful and kind of the journey becomes the most important part, whatever the end result is. It's the relationships I'm developing with the people around me that ultimately kind of make my whole experience the most, you know, valuable it can be. Yeah, I I love that. Um, I mean, I think it's also true that when you're having fun and enjoying the people you're around, you probably perform better. Um, Exactly. You know, so that's that's, that's great. Well, Rachel, I imagine you knew that I was going to ask you about your nickname. Um, and I, it sounds like you have many, but the one you're, you're really known for is being the Buell Dozer. 
And a lot of people talk about what, you know, a tough defensive player you are. And I'm curious if you can talk about, um, you know, I certainly believe it's possible to be tough out on the field and physical but still play within the rules and not be dirty. Um, but can you talk a little bit just, you know, having that nickname, how you approach your position, and, and what can you say to the athletes out there about how, to, how you can be both, you know, tough but, but not dirty? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, funny nickname. I think uh, Aaron Heifetz, our U.S. national team press officer, created it at one point, and then it just kind of stuck. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it does kind of, you know, symbolize uh, my defensive style. I am known as a tough, um, aggressive player. And I think that's something that's always come naturally to me, probably from growing up in the backyard playing with a bunch of boys, you know. I, I'm yep, fearless. Yep. And, um, and like the physicality of the game and, and enjoy those aspects. But I think there's definitely um, a difference between being physical and being aggressive and being, you know, dirty. And um, I think a lot of that is just what, what your intention is when you're out there. Um, I'm always going for the ball, you know. Uh, it's never, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, there's never a bad thought that ever runs through my mind. You know, I never talk to the other players. There's nothing like that that goes on. It's just... Um, being so focused on winning that ball. And for me, that leads me to play a physical style of play because I'm going to do whatever I can to win the tackle. You know, it's just kind of almost a natural thing um, that occurs for me. Um, but I yeah. think where it, what it boils down to is kind of the intention behind, you know, your style of play. And, um, you know, for me, it's always just to win the ball. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, on a, on a somewhat related note, in, in the 2011 World Cup, you received a controversial red card against Brazil in the quarterfinals. And I'm curious if you can tell our listeners a little bit about that call, what happened, and then how you responded. Yeah, I mean, that was probably one of the most difficult moments in my soccer career. Um, so Marta and I were, you know, battling kind of in the box and um, – went in both were lunging for the ball and uh basically I got called for a penalty and I think they gave the red card call because they said I was the last defender so in soccer if you're the last defender that's why they give the red card so I don't think it was like a red card worthy offense in the referee's eye um but just so happened that the rules of soccer then lead to the red card um but you know for me I'd never gotten a red card I hardly get a yellow card you know so I was um shocked um, and just, I, I was surprised I was getting called for the foul because I thought we were both, you know, battling pretty evenly. Um, but you know, that's how soccer goes at different angles. The ref sees different things sometimes. So it's hard to say, you know, what really the call should have been. Um, but I think, you know, it was a very difficult moment for me, but I think I responded, um, just in the most classy way possible, um, I kind of asked what was going on. I was really surprised. And then when I was told that I had a red card, then I just, you know, walked off the field because that's all you can really do. There's nothing else I could could do in that moment besides just, you know, wish the best for my teammates to hopefully, you know, get us through the rest of the game. And um, that was very, very difficult for me. I sat in um, the doping control room, actually, after they had a little TV in there. So I was watching the, the game in there. Um, you know, our our team manager came down and, and one other, our press officer, so they watched with me, but the three of us were huddled in this little room uh, watching this tiny TV screen and watching our team, you know, create history and basically score, you know, miracle goals, and it was just the most incredible um, thing to watch. Um, but just from such an interesting perspective of having been on that field and then being in this little tiny room just praying and, and 
you know, just hoping with all my might that we would get the win, and then we did, which was one of the most incredible and emotional experiences for me because it was just, you know, such a crazy, crazy event in my life for sure. Absolutely. Well, I think um, you, you showed a lot of class and a lot of restraint in the way you handled that situation, and I hope, um, I hope players and, and parents and coaches can learn from your example there. So I have one more question for you. Um, I, I'm curious. I think you still got a lot of soccer left in you, um, you know, playing playing wonderfully up in Portland. Um, but what what do you think life is going to be like when the soccer career comes to a close, or your playing career comes to a close? Do you sort of have a sense of what's in the works for you after after your playing career is done? Um, yeah. Well, my my plan is to uh, hopefully go on to medical school. So that was always my initial kind of thought is what, I, what after college I was going to go to medical school and become a doctor, and that's something that I've always really wanted to do, you know, to serve people in that way. And my dad is also a doctor, so growing up with that has really influenced um, me to want to do that. So the plan is to uh, hopefully uh, go to medical school. I've been accepted actually at UCSD already, and I'm just currently mm-hmm. deferring from there. So um, when I'm done, I can just, you know, hopefully start that next next journey in my life. So That's great. I feel like we've heard, we've heard a fair amount about your dad, and I've read that your mom was tremendously supportive, soccer mom as well. Um, tell, yeah. us, tell us a little bit about her supporting your career and, and your playing as well. Oh, my gosh, yeah. My mom was the number one soccer mom. She was at every single thing I've ever done, not just soccer, but she was the Girl Scout leader and, you know, I don't know, every, every event, you know, the number one fan, always there being so supportive. And I think her, you know, the line I've heard over and over again in my life is just, go, honey, go, you know, <laughs> the <laughs> ultimate cheerleader. Um, but, again, just so supportive and always just wanted me to be happy and just do my best um, and was there every step of the way behind me, kind of giving me that encouragement and driving me around and, you know, everything that, that the mom does. And she was just the ultimate, or she is the ultimate mom. I'm just so lucky. You know, I love her so much. Yeah, I love um, I love the "go honey go" quote. I um, yeah, and one of the things we talk about at positive is "go honey go." One of the things we talk about is you know the praise, the best kind of praise is is of course truthful, but then very specific. And I joke in positive coaching alliance workshops that my mom, like after every game I ever played, she'd say, "Tina, great game, great game." And then she came to one of my workshops, and I said, you know, that's fine, but after the, like, 500th game, it doesn't mean as much as something that's really truthful and specific, like great tackle at the end of the first half. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, then it's so funny how she was at my positive coaching lines workshop, and then she saw me play, like, a game of indoor soccer, and the comment was, like, I really love the way you headed that ball down on the corner kick. Um, You know, and I was like, oh, my gosh, my mom is is hearing my my, my positive coaching alliance workshop tips. Um, But it's – you and I both benefited from, from fantastic parents in our, our sporting career, and it, yeah. it would be great if everyone was so lucky. Well, I, I want to I wanna end by congratulating you on your one, uh, 100th cap, um, you know, international match played with the U.S. team, and thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today and to serve on PCA's National Advisory Board. Um, we're, we're so lucky to have you on board, and I know that the parents and the coaches and the kids who are listening have learned a lot from you today. So I really want to wish you the best of luck with your continued soccer career and beyond and um and let our listeners know that if if you want to learn more um from rachel you can follow her on twitter um her handle is uh, rachel underscore bueller so rachel thank you so much and uh, wishing you all the best of luck oh thank you very much i really enjoyed talking to you today 
Thanks for joining us on this episode of PCA One-on-One. Be sure to visit PositiveCoach.org to download more podcasts.